Hello and welcome to another short but sweet but fun episode of the Five at the Back Soccer Podcast. I am Charles here with Eric, Jen, and Kyle is joining us again. We're missing a, a few of our, our normal contingent, but uh, trust us, we're going to have a great time and uh, we will welcome them all back for our recording later this week post semifinals. However, right now we are in that fun time right between the quarterfinals and the semis. Uh, there were some, honestly, really, really close, really good games in the quarterfinals that we all got to watch. Um, and then we saw one, I mean, let's be honest, we can kind of call it a blowout. There was a bit, of, it was a bit of a blowout. There was only one team was in control of that game. Uh, but yeah, let's start, let's start at the, at the front end. Let's, let's wait. We'll, we'll save the, uh, the blowout for the end. Uh, let's talk about Spain, Switzerland. All right. The only game to go to extra time, all right, mm-hmm. in the quarterfinals, a game that, I mean, we thought, we thought that, yeah, we thought Switzerland would give them a game, but I think most of us picked Spain. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, most of us were right, too. I don't know if we expected it to be Spain in penalty kicks. Oh. Uh, I expected the game <laughs> to be close. I expected Spain to win it in normal time, you know, one nothing, 2 one But, uh, you know, Switzerland did what they've done this whole tournament and just uh, continue to shock everybody and prove that they belong where they are. Yeah. I mean, they, were, they, they hung around in this game. I mean, yes, that's, that's I mean, Spain. You know, I, I know I remember my prediction. My prediction was that Spain was going to blow Switzerland out of the water. It was going to be another five goal game, uh, which honestly, I still stand by in certain circumstances, because I think that the problem was that Spain scored too quickly. Spain got comfortable. They got complacent. They thought Switzerland was below them. They believe Switzerland is below them. Um, so as soon as they scored, they sat back. They didn't, they didn't go high press. I mean, in that, in that previous game, they give up a weird own goal and they're like, Oh no. Ah, they started to freak out a little bit. And that, you know, that motivated them. They had no motivation after goal number one. And that's kind of what stunted their ability to score more goals uh, throughout the rest of the game. And, and like we said, Switzerland just hung around. I mean, they hung around. I mean, they, they didn't get their goal until almost the 70th minute, uh, you know, coming from uh, our own resident bench dweller in the, uh, in the Premier League. Shakiri, uh, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Shaq, yeah. Yeah, he actually he yeah, but, snagged that one. But see, Switzerland's, Switzerland's the perfect encapsulation. You don't have to be uh, a, a starting 11 of world beaters you know you don't have to be world you don't have to be world class one through 11 to hang out hang out and uh you know give a run to the big the quote-unquote big boys you know you just have to have enough good players and enough positions to uh hang around and you know Shakiri doesn't start for Liverpool and when you look at Liverpool's starting 11 it's easy to see why he doesn't start for them but he's I mean he every time he plays for Switzerland he you know his name jumps off uh the you know the page and that's actually what ended up I think getting him his transfer to Liverpool in the first Mm -hmm. place because he was with Stoke City had a great national team tournament I think it was the World Cup, and he got a transfer to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not a surprise mm-hmm. that he's shown out. He he is exactly that kind of player. He is a star at a mid-table club. That's, I mean, mm. let's not beat around the bush about it. He's he's a, he's a he's a Maryland Fellaini. He's uh, 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 I can't think of anybody at the top of my head right now, but you know, you put him at a smaller a smallerish club, and he's just he's going to excel. 
I mean, he's going to do really well because he's, he's got that chip on his shoulder. That's kind of what he, uh, how he operates more or less. And he shows that with Switzerland because yeah. Switzerland are not the big boys. They're not, right. they're never, they've never been favorites to win a, a domestic tournament of any kind. So it's, you know, it is what it is in that respect. But honestly, one of the, I think one of the, I don't want to say surprising and maybe it was surprising. So, and, and I guess ironic parts about this tournament. So penalties mm-hmm. during the course of the normal part of the game, penalty takers were dreadful. This tournament, just absolutely dreadful. And then we go to penalty shootouts at the end of the game. And mm-hmm. leading up to this game, we had some really, really great penalty shootouts i mean you know five four people you know looks like they can never miss and then we get this one (laughs) the worst the worst so i love penalties i've said that before um i was not a fan of this penalty shootout because i love uh penalty shootouts like we got in the europa league final where you know you're just it's gonna take well i'm I'm just what I mean yeah. was I like when they go to I like when they go past the first five and then there's the sudden death aspect to it. But um, Switzerland, you can tell they uh, they were not ready for the moment of penalty kick at a big tournament. Yeah. Um, well, let me rephrase that. Their goalie was ready for the penalty kicks of a big tournament. The penalty kick takers were not. Correct. So before we get to that, um, or well, I guess before I weigh in, my take. The in the 77th minute, there was a red card. Um, that yeah, it was, it was definitely one of the ones that Mm -hmm. had lots of question marks after it. Like, what? But do you think, you know, I mean, because that was that was the 77th minute, and so that means the rest of regulation and the extra time, Switzerland was playing down a man. And so if that had not been the case, do you think that would have potentially changed the, I mean, do you guys see that being a legitimate like game changing factor and they could have actually pulled off the win either in regulation or in extra time? Personally, I don't. Um, I think that this (laughs) more or less just solidified what Switzerland were going to do anyway, which was uh, try to hang on. And sit back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were going to sit back and they were going to try and sneak their sneak attack, you know, or counterattack, something along those lines. Um, and this just more, mm-hmm. more or less put there like, oh, okay, well, now we're to the 10 men. We're definitely going to go super defensive, um, you know, put people in the back and, and, and work towards, you know, hopefully getting to penalties. Cause that was at that point, that was their hope was that was their real chance was getting to penalties. Um, so no, I don't think that it would have changed their strategy. Could it, I mean, you know, obviously having an extra player in the field gives you a better chance of scoring, so there was more of a chance, but it, I don't know that their strategy would have changed much. Well, shortly thereafter, what... they sorry, they subbed off some of their more brighter lights going forward, like Shakiri and stuff like that. So they they had to tactically change. And mm-hmm. so anyway, I just I think it could have played out different. Sorry. I think what hurt them more than anything was Embolo um, getting hurt because he. Um, he was he was the guy that was running behind Spain's line. You know, he was the one that was getting into spaces and dragging defenders out of position. Uh, when he got hurt and got, so I think he ended up getting subbed off. It kind of just threw Switzerland into like 
I don't want to say neutral because that's an easy Switzerland joke, but you know, it kind of put them into it kind of put them in a position where they weren't going forward. They weren't, you know, throwing bodies against Spain yeah. until so, they had to. Sir, this is five at the back. We do easy jokes here. That's what we do, and we do them well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, w- I want to take a minute to talk about their goalie. He's been outstanding the whole tournament. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. What club team does he play for? Munch and Gladblack. Yeah. Wow, he's he's great. Yeah, he's he's been in the Bundesliga. I want at least seven years now. He's been there a while. I mean, a lot of Switzerland's national team plays in the Bundesliga just because of the proximity of Germany to Switzerland, and mm. the German Bundesliga is uh, far more competitive than the Swi- uh, uh, Switzerland top flight. So uh, a lot of them just make the easy jump across the border to play in the Bundesliga. And I mean, he's. He's played at Borussia Mönchengladbach. I mean, they, I, I'd probably say their defending is on par or similar to what he expects. He probably has better defending with the Swiss national team than he might um, with uh, Mönchengladbach because, I mean, he has a Kanji who's a great young center back. I mean, he was, if Switzerland had won the game, uh, either him or Somer would have been made in the match. Probably Somer just because he stood on his head, but a Kanji was great at um, the back. Uh, and stifling Spain's mm-hmm. attack. Um, so, absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent agree. Um, so, on to the next one: uh, the match that uh, absolutely dashed the hopes and dreams of Jen and I. Uh, we had Italy <laughs> versus Belgium. Uh, that move, that game, from the beginning. I mean, from the very, very early minutes of that game, it was evident that Italy wanted to win that game more than Belgium mm-hmm. did. That the, the everything I talked about, the youth of, of Italy, the, you know, the inexperience, you know, Mancini is getting the best out of them right now. I mean, they absolutely are playing at a high, at a high energy level. They may not be, ex- you know, exceptional yet with their, with everything that they're doing, but they're, they're, they don't give up about, you know, when it comes to anything. I mean, we saw almost no, you know, pinching of the fingers towards the ref from them, which is, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, that's a feat in and of itself with Italian players. Um, it was, it was impressive. It was absolutely impressive. I, my hats off to Italy. They, they played very well. Honestly, they probably deserved to win by more goals than they had. Um, and, and I, I sent this into the group chat during the game, or maybe it was on Twitter that Belgium's back line finally looked as old as everybody said it was. And that, yeah, you know, and that's what been and that's, uh, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. Belgium uh, finally played a team that was going to expose their backline for what their backline is, and that's just their center backs are old, slow, and uh, I don't. The game's not past them because they can still play at a high level, but when they're playing together at international football level, they're you can't I mean, put all three of them. If you out have, there. <laughs> yeah, if you have Jan Vertagen. Yeah. Uh, covering for Toby Alderweireld because he's getting run past. You're in trouble because yep. Jan Vertagen's getting run past too. And you know, it like you said, Italy probably could have won that game by three or four. Yeah. But you know, they just didn't finish all their chances. Or you know, Belgium's midfield came through and yeah. helped their defense out. But um, that was the most high-paced game I think we've seen from both mm-hmm. teams the for the tournament. Uh, yeah, that was it. That, that was from Italy the most complete from, game. Yeah, and yes. that that game I think lived up to the billing of what everyone was hoping it was going to be. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, we, we're all fans of the Premier League. We know how they build up matches when Chelsea plays Liverpool or Chelsea plays United or whatever or what have you. And it'll be a 0-0 snoozer because both teams are playing conservative. You know, they don't want to give up uh, the goose to the team. You know, they're just playing conservative and it ends up being a snoozer. This game, from the jump, I mean, both teams were going after it. And it was it was great. It was so much fun to watch. Um, mm-hmm. especially because it was in Munich, you know, neither team really had a true home advantage. You know, they weren't playing in Rome, you know, they weren't playing in Brussels. They were playing in Germany. So it was right. a neutral ground between two really good teams. Yeah. yeah I think this was the biggest test that Italy's had thus far. Like when you go back and look oh. at the rest of their tournament, they haven't, they haven't faced anything remotely close to, to Belgium. So no, the only scare they had was against Austria, and that was a self-induced scare because they were playing down to the level of Austria. And Austria was playing above their punching weight, you know, because Austria had no slouches. But you know, Italy definitely um, cruised through the group stage and kind of controlled their destiny from there. Mm-hmm. So, with the matchup between Spain and Italy, does uh, does Spain have? legitimate chance Eric what do you think uh, I think they do absolutely I think their midfield I think can uh, you know can get some uh, chances versus Italy and and beat their press and move the ball forward I, I see it as a good uh, a good match I honestly think there wouldn't be a blow either way I could see a, a low scoring game between the two sides I would say like a 2-1 could go either way 2-1 to Spain or 2-1 to Italy to be honest with you, um, what do you I think, think- I think this tournament has shown that on any given day, any team really has a chance to beat the other with the exception of England, Ukraine. That was the exception to the rule. But I mean, if you look across um, all the games that have been played with uh, even the ones that ended up a high scoring affair, like Croatia, Spain, at one point that game was three, three and, you know, Spain was up three, one at the 70th minute and all of a sudden 90 minutes comes they're tied three, three. So I don't think there's a gimme game. There's no gimme games in the semifinal. You know, England's going to get a game from Denmark and Spain is going to get a game from Italy and vice versa. So um, I don't know if it'll be close by the end. You know, I don't know if this, like if someone were to see the score after the game, having not watched the game, they'll think, wow, that might've been an easy game, (laughs) but I think it'll be close, but I think um, it'll be a good game. It just, depends on what type of Spain we're going to get. Are we going to get the Spain that put five past Croatia? Or are we going to get the Spain that gets one goal and then falls asleep? Well, the the biggest barrier for Spain easily is the fact that they have they don't have a lethal number nine. And we've talked about this before mm-hmm. in each of the previous you know run-ups to their games. Uh, it was no more example, you know, exemplified than in the game against Switzerland where Murata spent 70 or no, he didn't even, it wasn't even on the field that long. I think he spent 58 minutes um, mm-hmm. on the field. They subbed him off when it was one nil because right. they were, the announcers were talking about saving him for the semifinal. Right. And they one. brought in, in Gerard Moreno and Moreno had four, maybe five legitimate chances and couldn't yeah. do anything with him. Couldn't do mm-hmm. a single thing. Like he, he looked borderline inept and that is where that's where Spain struggle. I mean, that's where they're really missing. If Spain had prime David, uh, David Villa, mm-hmm. they'd be the favorites right now. 
even if they had, if they, I honestly, if they had Torres, uh, post Liverpool, post Liverpool Torres, even because even when he was at Chelsea and playing for the national team, then he was still scoring goals. Was he scoring at the same prolific rate? No, but he got, you know, even post injury, he was still putting in the goals. Yeah, they don't have because he was a true number nine all he cared about was getting forward and getting in the box and finding a position you know mm-hmm. um he was not afraid to dig in and you know he he played his entire career for the most part uh he played a majority of his career in england so yeah. if you aren't a tough hard-nosed number nine in england you're gonna get found out pretty quickly i mean yeah. all you have to do is look at gabriel jesus he still hasn't kind of shown what he can do <laughs> at city but because he plays a certain style and he's you know he's not He's not Lukaku, or he's no, not you he's know Torres. Or he's, or Torres. No, he's not going to. He's not going to get stuck in. He's no. he's all. He's, flair. he's closer to a Raheem Sterling than he is a Harry Kane, and that's why he yeah. will never succeed as number nine in the Premier League. So, no. but yeah, look, looking back at at Spain's game over Croatia, they scored five goals that game. Those goals came from Sarabia, Aspilicueta, Ferran Torres, Morata, and then uh, Oyetabel. Morata's goal came in the hundredth minute. Your, your lethal number nine striker doesn't score until extra time. And everybody right. else that scored was not a striker. So my, <laughs> my issue with Spain is that in this tournament, for every game they've played, they've really controlled the ball. Like they've had as far as the possession. Um, and they've, I mean, they've won, don't get me wrong, but I don't see Italy allowing Spain to control the ball as much as their Spain's earlier opponents. And so what I worry about for Spain is the ability to capitalize on fewer moments because they have the ball less. And I just, I don't have confidence that their playmakers right in front of the the goal. Like, I I just, I just don't know if they're going to, they're going to be able to Nick, you know what I mean? Nick one you know, here or there, like, I just, I, I think it's going to be, it's Italy's game to lose, I would say, at least in, in my estimation, I could be wrong, totally wrong, but that's how I see this playing out. Yeah. No, I think, I think, I think you make a good point. I think Italy, um, you know, Italy plays the most complete game of the four teams remaining consistently, I should say, because mm-hmm. England played a complete game against Ukraine. But when you watch Italy, you know, they are a machine when it comes to pressing forward to get the ball mm-hmm. back when they lose the ball. And then when they get the ball, they can cycle it and cycle it and kind of lull you to sleep. And then all of a sudden play a ball over the top through Jorginho mm-hmm. or play a, play a ball that breaks the lines to Insigne, who then gets it up to Immobile. I mean, they just have, so many different ways to attack you. They're almost like a Hydra. You know, you try and <laughs> you try and cut one head off by marking out Insigne, and then you're dealing with three or four more players that are getting in the box. You know, I mean, which is even I mean, was, prior to his energy. Good. No, I was going to say it was just. I mean, that was shown even more so this in this past game against uh, against Belgium mm-hmm. because Immobile had a borderline a terrible game. I mean, he was off like. Every ball that came into him, like he, he was given opportunities. He was not creating. He was not, I mean, he came off the field and it was next man up and, and they were, they were mm-hmm. still able to convert and mm-hmm. anybody, you know, for the casual fan, they never would have noticed that Immobile had a bad game. No. Mm-hmm. no and, you know, so well. I think part of it comes back to what we talked about a couple episodes ago 
uh, a bulk I don't want to say the majority, but I don't want to say all of them. But the majority of the players that play in the English na- or the Italian national team play in Syria. Mm-hmm. You know, Jorginho mm-hmm. plays in England. Donnarumma is going to be in uh, Paris, but he played he played for AC Milan mm-hmm. for five or six years. So they you know they all know each other. They all play similar styles of football because mm-hmm. Syria. Uh, you know, a lot of the teams play the same type of game. You know, they've been playing with each other. God knows how many years through the Italian setup, through the youth setup now with the national team. So, you know, when you're able to keep the bulk of your national team talent within your home, home league, Mm -hmm. you know, that's one thing Germany does really well for the most part, you know, you have a couple exceptions, but the German national team, the bulk of that team is from Dortmund, Munich, a couple other Bundesliga outfits, you know, you have Kai and Timo from Chelsea, but they were, in the Bundesliga for a good part of their early career as well. So I think that's what makes Italy so dangerous is they all just know how to play so well together because they either play together at the club level or have been playing together for a long time. Sure. All right, let's go do uh, score predictions for Spain versus Italy. Eric. Like I said, it can go either way. It's going to be a real t- – I think it's going to be a real tight game. I think Spain controls the ball with their midfield more. I know Jen doesn't think so, but I, I think they can – um, I'm gonna. If I have to pick a winner. I'm gonna go Spain three two with a late winner. Spain three two. All right. Spain. Oh, sorry, sorry. Two. Italy, Italy three two. Sorry. Oh, okay. Italy three two. <laughs> All right, Jen. I'm going Italy. I'm gonna say three one. Okay. Kyle. I was. I'm gonna say the same. I'll go Italy, and I'll say three one as well. Maybe a late goal from Spain to make it look a little better than it actually is. And I do think it'll be a case of when Italy scores, because I think it'll be a tight affair until one team scores. And if Italy scores, they, they have the potential to score bunches because then Spain's going to have to start pressing. And there are, they already look weak when they don't have to press. So when they have to score a goal, it's just going to leave their back line even more open than it already has been. Yeah, no, you're, I think you're, you're absolutely right. One of the things that the, the only reason why I'm going to disagree with you guys on the scoreline is simply because I think when Spain's been backed into a corner of this tournament, they have shown up. They have shown that energy, that you know, that desire to to do well. So um, I'm going to go with a two-one win, and I think that Italy scores relatively late to win it. I think it'll be a one-one game for a majority of the game. But I think you pull this game outside of the Euros. I think Italy wins five-nil. I think that they're they're that yeah. hungry. But I th- Spain's got a little something in them right now. I'm not going to completely play up to it. So I'm going two-one. Yeah. All right. Okay, so let's the- move, yeah, let's move on to Denmark versus the Czech Republic. Honestly, uh, uh, that was a fun game to watch. Uh, it was. I, I can't speak for the rest of you guys, but there was a large period of that game where I, I thought either team could take it. There was uh, Czech Republic, despite going down early on, they turned around and they're like, no, I'm, I'm not giving up on this. Yeah, that man Patrick Schick, he just shows up in the box when he needs to. Um, you know, he's – I thought um, – I was actually surprised Denmark got out to the 2-0 lead that they did. I figured it would be uh, 0-0 into the mm-hmm. second half before a team kind of broke the deadlock. But um, Denmark scored too quick, and I thought they were going to run away with it because Czech Republic just looked shell-shocked. You know, they yeah. looked like they weren't expecting to get punched in the mouth, and they got punched in the mouth twice. <laughs> and then, you know, they came out in the second half, scored that goal relatively quick. I think they scored it within five minutes of the half starting. 
yeah. and I mean, it was game on from then, but they weren't able to do anything else. But yeah. it was, um, it looked like the game I expected it to be. Um, and I do believe I picked Denmark, um, Charles. I know uh, you didn't because you were wrong, but um, I've never been wrong. <laughs> you thought you were once, but you were mistaken. Exactly, I was mistaken. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a good game. It was fun. Um, the 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 Cinderella story is is the the leading narrative when it comes to Denmark, and, and rightfully so. I mean, they they're 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 going further. I mean, everybody's reminiscing about the uh, I want to say that was it the ninety six euros, ninety two euros, ninety two uh, euros, where they got euros. got yeah. brought in last minute. Right, and, and then they and, decide we'll just win the whole damn thing. I mean, it's 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 the sports story that everybody dreams of. It's it's one that everybody yeah. you know wants to see happen. Of course, you know everybody loves an underdog, um, but I mean the we have to ask real questions now. We have to ask serious questions because they came out against a very good Czech Republic side uh, and they beat them two two to one. Not convincing that they didn't, you know, stomp on the Czech Republic in the march to their, you know, their eventual European title. But now they're going to face an England side that is heating up. They, they stomped on the Ukraine. They were like, you know what? You're going to need to go home and you're going to need to go home in tears because we're tired of this. Before we get to that, um, the second goal that Denmark scored mm-hmm. up there for me with goal of the tournament yeah. because that outside the boot cross from the left, uh, the left wing mm-hmm. into the yes. box was just inch perfect. Beautiful. And um, yeah. I don't think I've seen a better pass played um, the entirety of the euros um, that um, that was just an inch perfect pass. And to finish it in the top corner, like he did, obviously yeah. I don't know how much he knew about the finish because it looked like a mouse <laughs> off his shin. Right. But still, the ball out to the wing, the ball in from the wing into the box, and then the goal. It was just a perfect – it was it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. good. But, the, those are the kinds of things that happen when you're on a Cinderella run. Absolutely. You know? It's the type of things you need to happen. Yeah, 100%. Yes. 100%. I do, I do worry about Denmark not having enough on the attack to match up with England because England's got so many options right now, and I'm just sure if Denmark has the same. I mean – Yeah. Well – I think I think what will help Denmark is a lot of the players that are in that starting eleven know the players that are playing for England. You know, I, you know, you have Schmeichel who plays in goal; he plays in the prem. You have Andreas Christensen in the back line; he plays in the prem. You have Hoiberg through the middle; he plays in the prem. You know, so they're they know what they're going up against, but knowing what you're going up against and being able to stop what you're about to go up against are two different things. Correct. And um, England's heating up at the right time. Right. And the, um, and the thing that Eric brings up that's a really, really good point is the, you know, they haven't, I don't know that, that Denmark has faced a defense quite like England's yet. I mean, you know, the, most of the talk about England has been about this midfield and its strikers, mainly because, you know, people are upset at, you know, who's playing and who's not playing. But that back line, I mean, when when they in this game they switched to to a a four three three and got out of that five you know back five situation, and Harry Maguire is playing at an elite level right now. John Stones has had seemingly had no issues transitioning from his season with Manchester City into into the Euros. Mm-hmm. Luke Shaw is continuing to show off that he's the best left back in Europe. I, I won't even say the Ooh. Premier League. He's the best left back in Europe right now. I think Alphonse. 
Alonzo Davies has something to say about that. He might. I'll let you, I'll let you have your Roberto, moment. In the Roberto Carlos I'll let you have your is, is, uh, is complimenting Luke Shaw, <laughs> so I'm going to ride on that high for now. Um, and, I mean, Kyle Walker has had issues, uh, but – I mean, England defensively aren't having issues, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put Kyle Walker into the deep end without the you know the defense having any outward issues. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a stout defensive line that they're coming up against, and you've got you know the, these Danish players who aren't facing these this level of defenders on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, I mean, Eric, Eric, you're right. I, think I mean, they're plus, gonna struggle. Plus, plus the defenders with the uh, the goalie too, because old T Rex Arms is having a great tournament. So. <laughs> Yeah, and I was. It's funny you mentioned that, Eric, because I was about to say um, England's backline has made Jordan Pickford look competent, right. and you know it, it goes back to uh, someone said something on Twitter about how do you see this Jordan Pickford with England versus the Pickford you see with Everton, and I think the difference is the confidence that Pickford has in the backline that's in front of him, because when you think about it, there's you can't compare the backline he has to play with at. Oh, Everton versus close. the back line he has with England. Mm-hmm. I think the best player he has in that back line is Luca Digne, and he's a wing back. He's a left back who plays a wing back. Yeah. So, you know, his center back pairing in front of him is not Harry Maguire and John Stones. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's had, and, you know, we saw a glimpse of it in the Ukraine game when he came screaming out of his box and tried to punt the ball and kicked it right to a Ukraine <laughs> player and almost gave them a goal. You know, he didn't have to do that, but it's almost like that he was, was bored, crazy. you know, because he's had. Yeah. You know, he's had Not nothing to, to worry do. about the entire yeah. he's had nothing to worry about the entire tournament um yeah. you know and i looked it up so denmark was in the group with belgium that was probably the best defense they've played belgians belgium's and, defense and i, I mean, would still put england's defense well above that I mean, oh yeah. absolutely yeah. we i mean absolutely england's defense hasn't given up a goal the entire tournament yeah you know i mean England's clicking on all cylinders and we finally got to see a different formation with england we got to see a different you know they from minute one they were attacking against the ukraine um i don't know if garrett i don't know if southgate will revert back to his defensive shell because it's a semi-final or if he's going to go for it because it's denmark yeah um i don't think he'll underestimate denmark but he has to know that he has the superior side yeah 100 i yeah it's this this game is going to be i mean the same way that we we so eloquently put it it's italy's game to lose i think that in the same vein uh, this game is absolutely england's game to lose game and to lose. Uh, i don't want to i don't want to you know be too coy about this but this doesn't mean that denmark does not have a chance denmark right. absolutely 100% has a chance a team with luck on its side has way more than than it ever should think it has uh, because that that pays off yeah. i mean when you when your team is having good breaks and things are going well for you it builds your confidence and that confidence can go a really really long way especially on the pitch because as we've seen with players you know when this game at this high of a level it's just as much of a mental game as it is a physical game i mean they're they're fighting if, through if their portugal, own personal confidence if if portugal could win in the 2016 euros this mm-hmm. denmark squad has a chance against england absolutely i don't know how yeah. much of a chance they have but they, you know, you don't get to the court, you don't get to the semifinal of a major tournament on just luck. Yeah. They've had some good breaks, but they've played some inspired football. You know, yeah. no one could have begrudged them if they went out after the group stage after what happened in the first game. Right. You know, if they had lost all three games, you know, no one would have had a bad word to say against them. But they managed yeah. to get out of the group stage, you know, and then they've just, they've been utilitarian about what they've had to get done, but they've gotten it done, you know. 
um, you don't get style points for winning a tournament game seven nothing. You know, if you win one nothing, two one, three two, whatever the scoreline is, as long as you're moving on, you know, it's survive in advance. We talk about it every March. You know, survive in advance. You just got to keep getting through. Right. Um, no eventually, you're going to come up against a better team, but until there's then, no, you just yeah, go ahead. keep fighting. There's no ESPN game control in this one. You just got to win, win and move on. Exactly. I was like, I mean, with the exception of a couple of, of big scoreline, exciting games, nobody remembers what the scores are of games. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, like, I mean, you think back to previous World Cups or previous Euros. I mean, the only, the only scorelines I can think of, like, I can think of when uh, Brazil got its butt handed to it by Germany. Yeah. I mean, that, Teeth that was knocked a, in, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was an all-time drubbing, yeah. but outside yeah. of that, yeah. I mean, nobody, I don't remember the score of the finals or any of that kind of stuff. I don't no. remember who won. And that's only thing I only thing I remember from the final of that World Cup is that Goats that came on and scored the goal. Yeah, but I couldn't tell you the score line off the top of my head if you gave me no. if you gave me three tries. Yeah, a lot. But you know, um, no, I, I think I think of I think of Denmark can leverage that belief that they had. Like you guys said, they're running; they can run through a brick wall right now. They believe they can do anything. I think if they leverage that with England's doubt, if it starts to creep in, now England's riding high. Don't get me wrong, but if Denmark gets an early goal or, or even gets a late goal, goes up one nil and it's like the 60th minute and then England's going, Oh man, is, is it really coming home? Now we're on our pressure. Now we got to equalize. And, and that could be a heavy weight for some teams to bear. I mean, I'm just about there. But it true. could be, but it, you know, let's say, let's say that does happen. You know, England has Jack Grealish. Let's say Jack Grealish doesn't start. They have Grealish on the bench. I mean, their bench could start, you could make an argument that any player on their bench deserves to based on uh, merit and their Quality. ability to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, England is England is loaded. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are loaded for bear. You could make a case for any one of those players. So you go down one nothing. I think I feel like the mentality of this England team is different than what we've seen in the past. And I think part of that is you know all these a lot of these players. It's the same thing with the Italian national team. A lot of these young English players have played together on the youth setup teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got Mount Foden, Reese James, Declan Rice. Uh, maybe not Declan Rice so much because I think he could have declared Irish. for Ireland. Yeah. But, um, but you know, Foden, Mount, uh, Reese James, Luke Shaw, Jack Grealish, Ben Schell. I mean, they've played together in the English Rashford, youth Sancho, setup as yeah, well. All of them. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they know each other for a long time. So mm-hmm. that's why they, I think that's part of the reason they play. They're the perfect blend of youth and experience. And kind of yeah. similar to what you were saying earlier, they all play in the same league together. I mean, they're, for yeah, the, I mean, for yeah, the exactly. Part, I mean, the, mm-hmm. it's a large contingent of players all playing under the same when, um, stadiums. And when, yeah, when Ian Dark wasn't confusing Mason Mount with uh, Jaden Sancho on uh, the last game, he, I mean, he was like Declan Rice from West Ham passes it to, you know, Sterling of Manchester City. I mean, they all every single one of their starters, with the exception of Sancho last year, played in the Premier League. Yeah. Obviously, Sancho's right. going to be in the Premier League this year coming up. But I mean, it it doesn't hurt to know your teammates really well as well as they do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, so speaking speaking of this talent, I just want I'm, I was just going to transition over to talking about this game against Ukraine, um, and kind of the change in formation, the and the way the whole game I guess you know happened. I mean, we asked a very poignant question at the end of our our last podcast: does does the Ukraine have a chance? And all of us agreed, yeah, sure. Five minutes into that game. No, 
No, they didn't. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. For that five minutes, though, they did. They had hope. They had a hope. And then England uh, crushed it fairly, fairly swiftly. Um, honestly, yeah. with, and I mentioned this. I mean, you know, I've, I've bagged on, on Raheem Sterling. I've, I've questioned his viability and necessity in the team. Uh, but his pass was brilliant. Uh, that's honestly, that's that part is exactly what I think was missing from his, you know, the any any qualification of him as having a good tournament so far. Yes, he scored goals. I'm not going to deny that. But you look at the goals that he had scored previously. He was in the right spot at the right time. He wasn't creating the goals. He wasn't, you know, it was just he was tapping them in more or less. Yeah. But, yes, but someone no, has to be there to tap him in. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But that doesn't make that doesn't mean that he's having a really good tournament. That just means he happened to be there at the right spot at the right time. England hadn't scored any other goals than his, so it's really you know whatever. Yeah. Um, but that pass, that pass through the lines to into Kane was brilliant. That's yeah. exactly what I thought he was missing. He was missing the passing aspect of the game. He was hanging onto the ball way too much. He was dribbling way too much. He wasn't playing with the team he was playing Raheem Sterling ball and then the team would go along with him um so his the pass was brilliant the uh, you know Harry Kane obviously put it away which was fantastic England goes up early uh and they never let up Uh, and I think part of that was because they made a formation change they go to go to a 4-3-3 uh Declan Rice and and Calvin Phillips uh kind of sitting at the back but Declan Rice it seemed like he had the least to do what he pleased in that game, which is kind of nice to see. He wasn't under any type of a restrictive blanket uh, of instruction. Like he didn't have to stay back or anything like that. He was free to move. There was a lot of movement. Um, the, the, the wingers, uh, Sancho and, and Sterling were allowed to switch sides on a regular basis, which I know that, that generally England has them do anyway, but the movement, the hunger from Jaden Sancho was evident from the beginning, despite, yeah. like you said, despite Ian Dark's inability to, to, you know, pick out <laughs> Mason Mount from Jaden Sancho, um, and, and I was texting Kyle at the, at the time. It was the funniest thing. Cause I was just said, I, I just said to them, I was like, Hey, did, uh, did Ian Dark just call Mason Mount Jaden Sancho? And then right after that, the was like, yeah, Mason Mount hasn't really gotten to the game. Has he? And I'm like, uh, guys, like half the balls were going through Mason Mount. Mason Mount was also moving. And yeah. the, what you could see, you would, ne- you would almost never see the, the same players in the same spot but you would always see the team shape there at all times, which mm-hmm. is evidence of really, really intelligent play from yeah. educated players They They know when to switch, when to move and all that kind of, and it keeps the defense on their heels and they kept the Ukraine guessing almost the entire game, which was, yeah. it was brilliant to see. It was so much the fun score, to watch. The final score line should have been the score line at halftime. It should have been three, four, nothing at halftime. I mean, and I, you know, I joked with Charles and them when Jaden Sancho had a shot saved, but I mean, he made a beautiful turn on the ball. And if he shoots it anywhere, but down the middle, it's two, nothing, you know, uh, Declan Rice hit a shot that would have turned my wrist to dust, you know, (laughs) and you know, the goalie made a tremendous save, you know, it should have been three, nothing, you know, and then once that second goal went in, it, you knew the onslaught was coming. And I was thinking about this when I watched, when I was watching the game, I think the team that benefited the most from the tournament being delayed a year is England because a lot of their starting 11 now is young. You know, you have Mason Mount, you have Declan mm-hmm. Rice, you have Sancho now in the mid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
picks. You have, you know, guaranteed that they play the amount of minutes they're playing now. You know, without the season Mason Mount had at Chelsea this past year, no one's – there's no mm-hmm. way you could say definitively he's a nailed-on starter for England. Right. You know, right. same thing with Jaden Sanchez. At another year in the Bundesliga, he had a, a decent year, you know, maybe not what he was expecting, but he had a good year by all standards, you know. So their youth – um, I think has benefited greatly from the tournament being moved. And like I said, I think they have the best mixture of young talent and experienced players have been in major tournaments before. Cause I mean, they did make the semifinal last world cup. So it's not like they're coming from nowhere. Correct. Correct. Yeah. We always knew they were good and now they're finally able to show it, you know, the way that yeah. I mean, most of us yeah, they watch the premier league. We, we saw, but uh, Jen, what did, what did you see in that game that, that really stood out to you? Well, honestly, like I, um, I was excited that they were to not only able to um, score from the guys that were at the front, but also had, you know, they had a defender score, they had a midfielder score. Like it was, it was good to see the entire system um, contributing to their offensive, you know what I mean, uh, like attack. And I thought, I thought that was that was good to see. Um, I just, I, 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 I'm interested to see what you guys score predictions wise. I mean, do you think this is going to be another just um, drubbing? I mean, is it, is it going to be kind of a repeat from this game where it's, you know, God love them, Denmark, you're here and we're happy you're here. Yay. Fairy tale. Okay. You're a pumpkin now. You can go. I mean, is is that what's happening? Eric, what do you think? Well, just going back to, I know you asked her about, you know, the take on the game and the performance. And I know this is a shock to you guys, but I think once he came on in the 54th minute, Hendo had a great impact on the, on the team. He had a nice goal. He had, I looked it up, he had actually the most completed passes out of everybody on the team, despite coming on late or later wow. in the 54th minute. Yeah. So uh, I think his, I mean, and that goes to, to speak to what we've said about England before. If you could pull a Henderson off the bench, not even starting. Yeah. I mean, like like Kyle said, that's a, that's some impressive depth there. So uh, I think our guy Hendo, I, I guess, had a pretty good game. And, and you know what you're going to get with him, a smart play, smart leadership, great passing. And uh, I was proud of him. Yeah. And he contributed to the win. Yeah. Yes. But so far as, uh, so far as the prediction, uh, Denmark, they've come too far now to give up. I think they're in it. They're in it to win it. Um, they're going to give England a tough game despite it being at Wembley. I think that kind of puts uh, England, mm-hmm. however, over the top. Uh, I'm going to go – if we're doing predictions now, I'm going to go ahead and say England 2-1. Maybe I'm not, I know I like saying this, but I'm a late winner, but it, it'll be tough. To, but I say England definitely comes out on top. Okay. Kyle? So I don't think it'll be the same type of drubbing that Ukraine got. Because let's be honest, Ukraine limped into that game. They played 123 minutes against Sweden. They had uh, a rash of injuries through uh, uh, the end of that game. I think the scoreline might end up looking the same, but I don't think you'll get there. I think Denmark will play um, will play tough. Um, but I think England will ultimately win. I wouldn't be surprised if the final scoreline would be three or four nothing, but I don't know if you'll see England dominating the game from minute one like they did against the Ukraine because Denmark does have a good set of players. Do they have a, a team like England? No, but 
They also have players that aren't going to roll over. You know, you have Shamichael, who's won the Prem title. Uh, Andreas Christensen, who's won the Prem in the Champions League. You know, they have proven winners in that lineup. So it's not going to be a rollover for England. Um, but I do think England ultimately ends up winning, I'll say, 3 nothing. Um, okay, very good. Um, just a quick update. I just got a text from Christian. Uh, he wanted to put in his official uh, pick, Denmark 5-0. Denmark five. Oh, of course. Of course. Christian um, loves some good reverse psychology. Yeah. Um, I, in my opinion, though, I, I think a lot of what you guys have said is is very, very accurate. Um, England absolutely have the potential to do what they did to Ukraine to Denmark. They they have the potential to do it. They probably won't though. I have I have yet to see an England team that steadily puts out consistent exciting performances all right mm. in the group stage okay. none of their performances were exciting none no not one of them was exciting they have i mean really no. the, the quarterfinals matchup is their exciting game that they've played so far um and so I, but that being said i'd still think that they have too much firepower for denmark i think that they're too strong they have so much depth i mean you're absolutely right you can rotate the front six and still have a starting quality starting right. caliber you know 11 to play in the euros um i just i just don't think that england will show their quality nearly as well as they i think that they should um i can almost guarantee southgate will make a decision that i don't like uh with regard to who starts um so based on that i'm gonna go with a 2-0 victory uh for england yeah i mean if you look at it england knew what they had to do to get out of their group you know, mm-hmm. no one expected England to not get out of that group. I think everyone expected England to win that group. So I think part of Southgate's um, thinking with the group was to play as cons- just you know play to the teams that you were playing. You know, don't do anything. Don't show your hand. Almost. You know, we talk about it in the Premier League all the time. You know, are these managers going to play a full-blooded eleven in a Carabao Cup game when they have a Prem game against a top six side at the weekend? You know, you you play to your t- you play to who your opponent is, and up until Germany, you know, and even the German game, they matched up with Germany player for player, and it was a snooze fest. You know, it was a two goal snooze fest, but I mean, outside of the two goals, it was you know it was boring. It was back and forth. You know, it was a it was a chess match. Mm-hmm. You know, Gareth Southgate knew he could take the uh, take the handbrake off against the Ukraine. I mean, he should have. You, know, yeah. you don't you don't go and play a defensive formation against the Ukraine. Yeah. Espe- mm-hmm. If you play defensive against a team that's expecting to be backed into their own eleven, you're just going to give them confidence. Correct. You mm-hmm. know, take if you don't take the game to them, you're going to let them grow into the game, and then maybe it's not four nothing. Yeah. Maybe it's two one. Maybe it's one one late into the game. You know. So I think I hope my hope is Southgate does more of what he did against the Ukraine, but no one Southgate probably going to be more than uh, more <laughs> of the same from the group stages yeah, yeah. okay All right, so we know that i struggle with the whole head heart you know kind of thing um <laughs> not <'cause>, you <laughs> oh, no, no. um at least i'm consistent um but one of the things that i could see happening is i could see denmark um again kind of riding that fairy tale moment into scoring a goal right which because the 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 back third has been so stout for England, I could see that being disconcerting. Like all of a sudden, 
they're on, you know what I mean? Like their, their shutout record is done. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's done and dusted. Like you can't say that you've been perfect the entire time. Um, and I could see Denmark getting until late in the game with either a one goal lead or like where they're tied. And then I just ultimately think England has like head wise, I think England has too much quality to not win this game. Um, but heart wise, um, I, I would love for the fairy tale to continue. Like <laughs> I, that would just be cool. And I'm glad that we have people missing right now. <laughs> I was going to say, you want that fairy tale to continue until you come across Christian. Yeah. And then all of a sudden right. it's like, you know what? We'll go with England. Speaking of the people not here, uh, I just got a text from Scott uh, with his, his official, uh, decision for the Ukraine or for the for the England um Denmark game uh and he thinks it's going to end in a draw um, <laughs> just... not, okay I'm not 100% watch, sure that... way too, I don't way too yeah. much Spurs football uh, yeah I don't think he knows how this works but um yeah we'll okay. we'll, we'll, we'll log it down well, no I mean like it. like honestly like I think you could almost argue they're <laughs> able to if Denmark's able to force it into overtime if they're able, God forbid, to force it to, to penalty kicks. Um, I mean, that's they almost a like, better a, keeper. like a moral vi- Well, yeah. amen, brother. Um, the <laughs> moral victory. Right. Yeah, did you hear that Southern accent come out on that one? Amen, wow. brother. <laughs> I did, right? Huh? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, headwise. Yeah, okay. Did they give their picks for Spain and Italy, or did they just not even care? Well, okay. we'll have to solicit that later in the text. Yeah, I'm not soliciting anything. We'll, we'll tweet. Okay. We'll tweet it out from the pod account. Okay. I think ultimately the game will be decided about whether Gareth Southgate wants to go for it from the jump or play conservative. If he plays, if he plays conservative, he's going to let um, he's going to let Denmark into okay. the game. You know, because uh, Denmark does have quality. You know, they're not. You know, they have proven Premier League quality. They have proven top five league quality. So they have, and they have to. Some magic. Uh, they got they got Christian Eriksen magic. So I think I think Southgate um, has to make a decision. Uh, I I would like to see him go attacking, play like he did against Ukraine, because I think England has the talent to potentially uh, score two and three in the first half and kind of put the game to bed before halftime. But we'll see what happens because it is a semifinal and it is England, so no one really knows what's going on. Yep, it's going to be a fun one, you, honestly. So we got, you, uh, yeah, Eric, go ahead. Do you think? Oh, sorry, do you think being at home would cause him to maybe open up a little bit more? It was psychological. We're at Wembley. It's it's going to be a little bit, you know, uh, a friendlier crowd, more partisan crowd. Maybe I can open it up a little bit more and not suffer. And friendlier crowd. Have you seen an English crowd? <laughs> uh, I mean, the pressure, towards, the pressure for own fans, yeah. fans. The pressure from England fans and from the English media already makes this, uh, honestly, I think even more of a challenge. I think it would be actually, it might actually be a little bit easier for them if they were away. But, okay. um, yeah. you know, I don't think that it's going to change his plan to open up okay. or not open up. I think that, um, I think he'll play a chess match to begin with. Um, and if England score first, I think he might be willing to open it up if it looks like they've got control. Um, but I, I'm, I, I, 
I agree with Kyle. Southgate should push the team against Denmark, but I don't think that he will. Mm-mm. I think okay. he'll kick into semifinal mode and he'll come out safe and try and pass around the Denmark um, midfield and be happy if they win one nothing. Right. A win's a win, so I can understand that. Uh, yeah, I mean, a win is a win. So are we um, are we waiting until the next episode for us to forecast what we think is going to ultimately happen in the long nah, run? Let's do it. Let's we'll we'll, do, we'll it can be written down as a this is what we think is going to happen at this point in the and okay. that's all that matters. So just who takes it all? Yeah, sure. Why like not? who's in the final and who takes it all? Yeah. Okay. Jen. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll go first. Um, so I think ultimately the final is England, Italy, and I think Italy wins it. Okay. Eric. Oh, it's devastating. Oh gosh, it's awful. I'm going to go with, uh, could happen though. I'm going to go with uh, England, Italy. I think England takes it all in a close one. Okay. Kyle. Um, I'm going to go Italy, England. I think Italy gets past Spain and I think England gets past Denmark. And then I, I got to stick with Italy. I picked Italy last week. Um, I think they win it all. I think they're the most complete team right now. Um, we're, we're waiting to see if England can do be a complete team for two games in a row. So, it's a, it is a wait and see project, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're all in agreement. Uh, Italy, England uh, for the final, um, and it's coming home, baby. It's coming home to by way of England. Florence, Italy. Uh, okay, no, I that's never been home. So yeah, I don't know where that is. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. England's going to take I it down. So they'll, they'll be able to celebrate <laughs> and maybe maybe finally change that tune. All right. So there you have it. And then we will obviously um, reconvene. Yeah. We are going to reconvene. We will, have, we will have another episode uh, for you all. We're going to record Thursday night after uh, the second. The carnage. Yeah. Wait, what's today? Today's Monday. Oh, no. So Monday. Yeah, we're going to record Thursday regardless. Um, it'll be a post semifinal uh euro 2020 slash 21 final preview uh and we're looking forward to we're looking for some in okay. forward to some fun games uh thank you for listening and we'll see y'all in a few days <laughs>